Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's 30 with Murdy with your host, Sweeney Murdy. Hi, everybody, and welcome back, and Happy New Year. We are now only a month away from spring training and the start of the 2020 baseball season. Looking forward to another year of fun conversations here on 30 with Murdy. And let me take a minute to thank all of you for listening to this venture the last few years. From our first conversation with Joe Girardi, we've had Hall of Famers like Cal Ripken Jr., Wade Boggs, last year Mariano Rivera and Mike Messina, Yankee greats like Derek Jeter, soon to be Hall of Famer, Tino Martinez, Don Mattingly, David Cohn, and my occasional forays into Hollywood, including Richard Schiff, Timothy Busfield, and Ice Cube. You've all hopefully been entertained a little bit each time, and I hope to bring you more of the same in 2020. Starting things off this year with a former Yankee turned YouTube star. I'm talking about Phil Hughes, who after multiple surgeries for thoracic outlet syndrome and ailing shoulder did not pitch in 2019. He's not officially retired yet. Hughes has compiled a 12-year major league career that began with the Yankees in 2007, later went on to the Twins and briefly the Padres in 2018. As a first-round pick in 2004, Hughes began his career in the internet age, where information about minor league players was now at everyone's fingertips. That, a stellar minor league record, and a high 90s fastball made him one of the Yankees' most celebrated prospects in a long time. In just his second major league star, 20-year-old Phil Hughes was pitching a no-hitter in the seventh inning in Texas when he popped a hamstring. And while Hughes recovered and pitched well in several seasons after that, he thinks He's never been the same pitcher since that injury. You will hear his explanation why. You will also hear Hughes, who became a father for the first time six weeks ago, dish on former teammates Alex Rodriguez, Derek Jeter, Mariano Rivera, CeCe Sabathia, and more. And Hughes, whose wit was made for Twitter, tells us about his new hobby, making YouTube videos, pulling baseball cards, Pokemon cards, and more stuff like that. We'll talk about our shared beginnings in the card collecting industry and where he's taking it these days. Here now, recorded over the phone earlier this week, my conversation with Phil Hughes. So Phil, first thing I want to ask you is 2019 was the first year you did not pitch in the major leagues in a very long time. So, and I know there are the reasons behind it, but are you officially retired now? Are you trying to come back from the injuries or have you shut it down? You know, I, I, that's a good question. I, I kind of have left things open just because, you know, who knows what the, you know, what the future is going to bring. I feel like, um, you know, just given all the injury stuff that I have dealt with and it kind of, you know, it wore on me both, you know, physically and mentally for a while. And, um, but I, I certainly don't think that, you know, I'm ruling out the possibility of, you know, one day I wake up and, um, you know, I'm feeling a lot better and, you know, maybe I have to have something left in the arms from, kind of in that little in-between mode right now, I guess. Your career was 12 years to this point, if it, if it doesn't continue. You won 88 games. You won an all, uh, You made an all-star team, won a World Series ring. 
you set a big league record, uh, which was pretty impressive. Fewest uh, walks per nine innings in a season. How do you how do you think of your career? What do you, when you look back on it to this point? What do you think of it? Um, you know, I, I'm proud of it. <laughs> you know, I know <laughs> good, that good. Uh, you know there's there's a lot of ups and downs. Um, you know, kind of kind of an interesting you know career trajectory, I guess. You know, it's coming into New York and um, you know having all those expectations just because of you know the minor league seasons that I'd had, and um, you know maybe a lot of people thinking that I didn't live up to. Uh, to kind of what they expected, and then you know having having some good seasons sprinkled in there, and then you know going on to Minnesota and having that year that you referenced, and um, you know, and then you know maybe not living up to you know a big contract extension I got. So there's a lot of you know kind of things that you can look at and and you know um, kind of dog me for, but you know at the same time I'm uh, you know as a kid that was in high school just you know hoping to get a college scholarship, you know. I, um, you know, pretty happy to have pitched in the major leagues and, and done what I did. I think any team that drafts a pitcher out of high school who pitches 12 years in the big leagues would would call that a success. Um, do you have Do you have regrets? It sounds like you have a few. Um, I, I don't know about regrets. I mean, you know, obviously the injury stuff just sucks. You know? there's, <laughs> yeah. there's no way. Yeah. There's no way around it. You know. Um, you know, and I don't necessarily think that getting hurt is a regret. <laughs> you know, yeah, obviously, I yeah. wish it didn't happen. But, a disappointment um, more than anything. Out of my control, you know. And, um, you know, from the, the game in Texas when I pulled my hamstring, yeah. um, my mechanics were never really the same after that. And not to say that I couldn't um, pitch successfully, because I did for a while, but, um, you know, I wasn't I wasn't the same guy after that hamstring pull. And then, um, you know, obviously with the thoracic outlet stuff and the shoulder injuries, you know, there's just... Um, it got to a point where I couldn't be as competitive um, as I wanted to be, and you know, so I, I don't necessarily have regrets. But um, there's a couple things that I think kind of, you know, hindered my abilities a little bit, and um, you know, that's uh, but that's that's sports, right? Guys get hurt, yeah. and, and that's uh, you know, that's the tough part of it. What do you mean about that hamstring injury? You mean you're talking about in 2007? You come up and you're throwing the no hitter in Texas. Uh, you're, I think, 20 years old at the time. Um, what what about that hindered your mechanics going forward? Yeah, so I was, I don't know if you remember, but there was, at the end of my delivery, I would kind of hyperextend my front leg. Um, and, uh, you know, it really, really gave me the ability to finish pitches and, and get through and have that life on my fastball and, um, you know, have that good carry and, and ride on my four-seamer. And, um, after that, for whatever reason, I, you know, mentally I could not do that anymore. So I, I landed with kind of a bent front leg and, and didn't hyperextend like that, um, really ever. So it's, mm. uh, it, and I, I tried to, I, I do bullpen sessions where I'm like, all right, I'm going to do this. And, um, you know, for whatever reason, it just, it just wouldn't happen. Mechanics could be a, a funny thing like that. That's, uh, that is odd. Um, I, I didn't recall that, um, but I, what I do recall is the day that, you know, for better or worse, it stuck with you, and probably for worse because it's a hard thing to live up to. The day in spring training when, when Jason Giambi couldn't see your fastball in batting practice, probably because he hadn't picked up a bat in four months, and he <laughs> walks past the group of reporters and says, yeah, it looks like a young rocket out there, referring to Roger Clemens. And that's, I mean, that's what you're referring to about expectations, but that's a hard thing to live up to. What do you remember about do you remember anything about that particular day and how that thing took off? 
Yeah, sort of. Yeah. I mean, I remember that um, it was during live batting practice, which, like you said, a lot of guys are, you know, seeing live pitching for the first time and, um, you know, an off season essentially. And, uh, you know, I was, gosh, I, I think I was 18 um, in my first camp. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember being super amped up because, you know, this was, this was my opportunity. You know, I think I was, going, they put me in a group and I was facing, I think, Giambi, A Rod. <laughs> um, Matsui, maybe I can't remember yeah. who else was in there. Um, and so I was, I was had a ton of adrenaline going. I knew I was only throwing like maybe twenty, twenty five pitches. So it was almost like I was, <laughs> you know, getting thrown into like a reliever role uh, <laughs> with all this adrenaline, and I was just, I was just letting it fire. And um, you know, I, you know, threw some fastballs by some guys, and um, you know, it's a very unique situation just because. You know, I they were all you know just kind of um, getting their feet back under them again, and I was out there trying to you know impress somebody. But, yeah. You know, Tory and Cashman sitting behind the you know the screen, and um, you know, so it was uh, yeah, that was that was an interesting day. And then, as you know, you know, you guys are always looking for something in spring training, right? It's like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, things are. It's not things the most exciting and, time for us. Yeah. Yeah, things are slow, and you know, you're looking for a story, and then he says something like that, and it's like, ooh, you know, people are going to eat this up, and. Um, so it's, it's kind of is what it is, but, um, I was flattered at the time. I didn't know that it would stick with me, um, for all these years. So when you, when you come back eventually to an old timers day and you run into Jason Giambi, are you going to go punch him in the face or something? What's, what's going to happen? <laughs> no, he was, that was, that was a nice compliment. You know, I was, uh, you know, and, um, and not to say that I, you know, wouldn't have had a better career you know, at that point, but, um, you know, things happen. And uh, it is what it is. So, and when was the last time you felt good on the mound, like physically good, where your arm didn't hurt? Um, it was probably two thousand fourteen. Wow, yeah. that long ago. Yeah, my, my first year in uh, in Minnesota, and then you know, even after that, I had you know, I had a couple you know good stretches there, but um, yeah, there was just you know, my shoulder was just uh, you know, kind of shot at that point, but. Um, you know, it's, uh, the thoracic outlet stuff's tricky too because you know they give you MRIs and um, you know everything looks okay, but it's you know you're having you're having issues uh, and and strength issues and stuff like that. So it was, it was kind of a frustrating thing, and then having the surgery twice for it, um, like I kind of mentioned earlier, just just wore on me mentally too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not only the fact that I you know couldn't compete at a high level, but um, just having to go through that rehab process twice was. Um, Kind of, a, kind of a tough thing. Hey, you uh, you have a World Series ring from 2009, and as you uh-huh. have probably been told countless times, the Yankees haven't won one since. You know, they're, uh, we follow that obviously very closely around here. But did you, <laughs> I mean, you're coming up, this would have been your third year in the league. You were a big part of it out of the bullpen. Uh, your future was bright. Did you think, did you just assume that there would be more World Series appearances and more rings in your future? Um. You know, I, it's hard to say. I, I think that you look at so many guys that had very, very good long careers and, and never, never got to that point. So I, I don't think you necessarily expect it. Um, maybe for guys like Jeter, you know, who, yeah. um, you know, was there during that run. You know, the expectation is that you're gonna, um, you're gonna get there every year. And you know, that's not to say that we uh, we didn't have expectations of doing that, but. I don't ever think that you assume it just because you, you see these guys that, um, you know, never got one and, and should have, or at least had the careers to do it. 
And so I, I don't think you ever, you ever kind of, kind of expect those things to happen. But, you know, certainly as a young guy and, and the core that we had, I thought that, you know, it was possible. And then we, you know, we'd get to the ALCS the next year and, um, and lose to the Rangers and then, uh, you know, make a couple of runs after that. But it's, uh, it, it's a hard thing to win. You know, it's mm-hmm. people I know in New York, you know, it's, you go 10 plus years without one and, uh, you know, everybody starts getting a little antsy, but, hmm. um, it can be, it can be really tough, but, uh, they're certainly throwing enough money at it. So, uh, hopefully, <laughs> yeah. 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 Know, and hopefully, what hopefully it happens here soon. Did I, did I see like Garrett Cole used to come watch you pitch? Is that, is that true? Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm older than Garrett by I don't know four years or so. So when I was a senior in high school, um, he lived just down the street from me and, and would come and, and watch my watch my starts when he was a, an eighth grader or, or whatever it was. And then he he went on to go to the uh, the private high school down the road, North okay. Lutheran, um, and then obviously you know turned down uh, the Yankees drafting him out of high school and went to UCLA. But yeah, so he would he would come and, and watch my starts when I was. Uh, a senior over at Foothill, so it's kind of funny. You've now become, for lack of a better word, a social media star. Um, <laughs> did this happen by accident, or was this all part of your grand scheme here? <laughs> I don't know what you mean by social media star. Uh, <laughs> well, you're a very entertaining uh, yeah, I, following. I certainly, I certainly have fun on Twitter. Um, you know, there's. Uh, I try not to take myself too seriously, and um, you know, so I, I, I probably write some things on Twitter that I shouldn't and uh, <laughs> you know, stuff like that makes yeah. people mad and sometimes it's intentional but um, it's all in good fun I enjoy it and um, and and Twitter's great it's a way for me to kind of um, you know not only interact with people and um, and stuff but I, I, I get a lot of my information from there and I mean I would I would have no idea what's going on in baseball if it wasn't for Twitter I mean I don't watch yeah. much TV so um, I think it's great it's, uh, you know, but you were always headed in this direction. I remember when we used to think you were cool because you had a blog, you know, when you were like 18 or 19, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I, I've always kind of, you know, looked for different, uh, you know, media outlets to kind of, um, and, and I never really intended for any of it to be like for profit or for like a second career. You mm-hmm. know, it was always just for fun, just, yeah. to, um, just to get on there and, um, you know, kind of, you know, interact with people and and do different stuff. And, um, certainly in baseball, you have a lot of downtime. So, um, <laughs> it was, uh, it wasn't too difficult, but, um, yeah, I, I've had a lot of fun with it and on Twitter and then, um, you know, starting a YouTube deal and stuff like that. So it's, it's been fun. Yeah. So the YouTube channel now is Phil's polls and listen, forgive me because I'm old school baseball card collector, not new school baseball card collectors. So uh-huh. I, 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 I don't understand all of it. Uh, and I've really strayed from the hobby part of it to, to really know all the different brands and all the different things that you're doing. But um, sure. how did how did this come about? Where I mean, you're pulling cards, and I understand the the uh, object of it is you know people watch you open up cards, and you know take it from here and tell me one why you're doing it, how did you get into it, and what are you hoping to get out of it? Yeah, so I. It's kind of funny because my, my wife bought me um, an overhead camera mount and a camera for my birthday last year because I'm I'm also in the process of doing a cookbook. Oh, nice. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I, I it was always kind of a, a thing for me. I've always enjoyed cooking, and I wanted to, you know, kind of do that. And a great way to, you know, photograph that stuff is with an overhead camera mount. Um, and then I was in San Diego, I think, and 
uh, and went to the super old school card shop with a buddy. Just I hadn't I hadn't collected cards or anything in, in quite a few years, but I um, went in there just because it was recommended, and um, it kind of uh, it kind of reminded me of you know when I was a kid and, and collecting cards and doing all that stuff. And and so I, long story short, I, I took this overhead camera mount. I'm like, why don't I make videos? Because you know there's a lot of people that are doing this on YouTube, but Nobody really edits the videos or, you know, puts any care or time into them. They just, you know, kind of throw them out there and upload them. And um, I thought that there was kind of an interesting um, space that I could, you know, pre-record the videos. You know, I have a, you know, I could, I guess you could say I have an interesting uh, perspective on the hobby given that I played and um, and signed cards and had cards of myself. And so I thought that the commentary could be kind of fun. And, um, and I just started recording these videos and, and edit them and put thumbnails on them and, um, you know, I wasn't sure if it would be anything, but people seem to enjoy them. So I've been having fun with it and, you know, it's a good way to keep me busy and, um, not bug my wife all the time. So she, <laughs> she likes it too. Is the card collecting and the idea of like what you're pulling, is this, is this another career? To, Cause there are people who make careers out of this. Is this kind of what you're looking for? Or is this just still fun for you? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard. So, you know, a lot of the card dealers, you know, they make a living because they, you know, sell cards at a, at a profit for me, I'm, you know, I'm losing money basically opening the cards because <laughs> unless you hit something really big, you're not, you're not making money back. Um, so I, I kind of, you know, but I, I'm, I'm hopefully in the process of getting to the point where I can, uh, you know, maybe get tops or somebody to send me cards for free. So I, yeah, so, mm-hmm. yeah, so I could, so I could open the, uh, open the cards on there and, and then just give them away or whatever after the fact. So, um, yeah, but it's, uh, you know, some people do make a career out of it, but for me, it's mostly just for fun and, and uh, something I enjoy, but so much has changed in the hobby, probably from you or when you remember, oh, I, mean, yeah. I was, I did a video recently where, um, each pack had just one card and it's like 325 bucks yeah. um, for the one card. And, you know, you know, back in the day, you could get a pack of 16 cards for, you know, a dollar or two. So, mm-hmm. um, I, I collected uh, the, the hobby has certainly changed. There's, there's a lot of money in it now, but um, it's it's still fun, and there's still you know there's still tops, you know, series one and stuff like that, which is you know the cheap kind of set builder set. Yep. But, um, there's a there's a lot of interesting stuff going on. I still remember collecting the 1980 top set, one pack at a time, a quarter a pack. I'd uh, uh-huh. I'd, I'd get a dollar. I'm running right to the store for four four new packs of cards. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I remember the first set I ever opened was '92 tops. Okay, and um, I was what's it, probably six at the time, and um, I remember I wrote my name on the back of all the cards, <laughs> um, thinking that you know if any kids at school tried to steal them, they would know that they were mine, or if they turned up missing, <laughs> people would know they were mine because I wrote my name on the back of them. But thankfully, '92 tops is absolute junk right now, so <laughs> I, don't have, I don't have any regrets about you know. Um, write my name on the back of a mantle rookie or anything but so it's it's young uh, phil hughes autographs on the back of every card basically <laughs> right so your uh, your overhead camera explains yeah. this to me i was curious why you never show your face i would think you'd you know you'd you're a recognizable person and you're not you know you're you're a good looking guy i would think you want to show your face in your videos but that's not part <laughs> of your deal huh no i well i i first of all i just jumped right into it i didn't even put really much thought i had this overhead camera out and i had a camera um, and it's the, it's the best way to show the cards, right. um, is with an overhead mount, but I didn't have a second camera. So I was like, well, nobody's going to care if they don't, um, you know, see my face, you know, during the videos. Cause it's, it's about the cards anyways. And, 
I had a couple of comments of people like, have a, you know, do a face cam. And I might in the future, but, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it just kind of, it just kind of came about because I didn't have two cameras. So I, I can't, uh, you know, if you, if you try to put your face on, you know, one camera and show the cards, it's, it's not a very good setup. So that's kind of how that, that came about. But I don't think people really need to see my face. Right? <laughs> they, got, they got, they got enough of that already. <laughs> they, uh, we remember what it looks like. I know that. Um, is, do, do you do your own edits? I don't. No, I, I hire an editor. I, I I am so technically like not <laughs> really good with that stuff okay. at all. Yeah. Um, I in in fact I don't even. And a lot of people people laugh because they're like, oh, you should do a live opening and you know do it with this person or that person. And um, I actually record my videos um, to a memory card on my computer. I don't even run it oh. through like a, a a streaming service or like an OBS on my laptop or anything like that. So. Um, it's uh, it's pretty old school. I just uh, I just have the camera. I click record, and then I take the card out, upload it to my computer, and um, send it off to uh, a guy that puts all the, the edits on there. I give him direction on you know, sure, uh, you know what to do and that stuff. But yeah, I am completely clueless when it comes to that. The um, the food picks have stopped. Uh, I've noticed we haven't seen as very many uh, food pictures. Are you going back to that? Is that part of the cookbook you're talking about? Yeah. So I'm. I'm I still, I still cook quite a bit, but, you know, after, you know, kind of doing the, the card videos and then, um, you know, having a baby just a few weeks ago and, mm-hmm. Congratulations. Uh, you know, I, my, my cooking has become more of, uh, for, for nutrients than it is for Twitter. <laughs> at this point. I'm, um, yeah. So I, I, it certainly is something that's going to come back and, um, you know, I, I, but I don't, I don't do as many, uh, as many elaborate meals as I once, uh, as I once did, but it, it'll, it'll, it'll come back eventually. I'm sure. Congratulations again. Uh, at the end of last year, you had a baby boy, your first child, are dad tips going to be the next, uh, venture for you in this video world? Are you going to, you start being, <laughs> do a little dad service? Daddy, daddy yeah. blog. Or yeah, something. of course. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's funny. You kind of touch on all these things because, um, you know, it, it's very interesting kind of how the, the internet is evolving and, and all the different outlets that, uh, that are out there for, you know, people to have careers and, yep. you know, not to say that I, you know, necessarily looking for a second career, but, um, there, there is so much opportunity on the internet and YouTube and, um, you know, all these kind of things. It's, it's interesting to follow. I, I certainly, um, you know, am amazed when I see, you know, kind of what, uh, you know, I don't know if you know about this, kid that opens toys on YouTube, but he's like a multimillionaire for, yeah. um, he just, you know, just a little kid that I guess reviews, you know, different toys that come out. So it's, it's kind of fun to, to follow those things and, and see what people do. And all it takes is one person to kind of find a, a different niche and yeah. know, make off. Listen, no offense, but I'm trying to steer my kids away from watching other people play with toys. And watching <laughs> yeah. other people open toys and things like 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 you've got plenty of toys, just play with them. That's that's kind of where I'm steering them. That's that's my goal in parenthood right now, Phil. Yes, yeah. And if they ever if they ever have an interest in cards, do not let them watch my videos. <laughs> it is expensive, I'm telling you. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I'm sure. You um. <laughs> You know, you've got a couple of former teammates that are in TV and you're kind of, you know, listen, you have a personality and you're showing some of these videos. Um, is is getting back into the game in that regard something you've even thought about or, have, have, you know, talked to anybody about? Um, I haven't really given it much consideration. Um, you know, I, I was actually talking to my wife the other day about this. I haven't, 
Um, this year was the first summer I had spent in California um, since I was 17 years old, maybe even 16. Mm. And um, it was kind of nice. On it, it was it was nice to be home, and um, obviously, you know, like you said, I just had a kid, um, so it's it, it's a good time to kind of be around the house and and, and not get right into uh, to traveling around and you know doing TV stuff or whatever if that even was a possibility for me. So um, talk to me in a couple of years when my wife's sick <laughs> of me being around the house, and then, you know maybe maybe that'll change. But for now, it's it's just nice you know nice being home and. Um, I don't, uh, I don't miss the travel and, and uh, that schedule at all, I'll tell you that. If it takes a couple of years, then that's, that's pretty good. You're ahead of the game. Um, <laughs> one of my favorite things on Twitter, and a lot of people um, is too, th- how much you poke fun at A-Rod a lot on Twitter. And, and he, you know, there's a good interaction with you guys. Was, it like, was your relationship like this in the clubhouse too, or did this just become a social media thing? No, it was. Um, I, you know, for whatever reason, uh, we kind of gravitated towards each other, and um, you know, he wasn't uh, he wasn't particularly close with a lot of guys on the team, but um, it was always kind of you know guarded in that way, similar to you know how Jeter was. He was um, you know very kind of shielded and and thought that anything he said was going to you know get out to the media, and, and you know, it was kind of. Uh, uh, you know, very cautious about how he how he was at the clubhouse, but we always had a great relationship and, and would joke with each other and and, uh, and stuff like that. And, and he'll text me every now and then and be like, "Hey, check out this tweet. You know, you'll think it's funny." <laughs> and, um, so yeah, I, I, I like to give him a hard time, and people take it very serious. You know, I get uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, I get people. You know, it, it's an obvious joke, but sometimes. Uh, um, you know, I, I never assume how something's going to look to somebody else, but, you know, I'll, I'll make fun of him or give him a hard time on Twitter, and I'll get, uh, you know, like these J-Lo super fan accounts that, you know, are all <laughs> on Twitter. It's pretty funny. Um, but, yeah, we uh, I like to I like to poke fun at him and give him a hard time. And, um, nobody's got thicker skin than that guy, right? So I think he uh, I think he's, can take it okay. I think if you or I ever invented the nuance filter for Twitter <laughs> – I think we could make our fortune right there. Oh man, it's it's easily lost there, buddy. Uh, mm, yeah. <laughs> I, I tweeted yesterday about the uh, you know the Saints um, getting screwed on a call again because you know Kyle Rudolph kind of gave a little push. I don't know. If yeah, you yeah, uh huh. Yep. The playoff game yesterday, and I just knew it would irritate all the Minnesota people that follow <laughs> me on Twitter. And, uh, sure enough, I got you know three people that were like, "I'm unfollowing you." And <laughs> Like it even mattered. They'd won. It didn't matter <laughs> right, what right. I thought about the call, you know. But uh, I, I knew it would. I knew it would irritate a couple of people. So I, I, I was feeling in a trolley mood yesterday. Oh so. yeah. Well, we we should we should all have the pleasure of knowing you since you were eighteen or nineteen to figure out this is how your mind works. It's a it's a wonderful thing. <laughs> exactly. Um, I'm going to give you some quick hits here. Okay. I'm going to name a couple of guys, former teammates. I want you to give me a quick memory, something that stands out for you. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm gonna start with the guy who's who's going to get elected to the Hall of Fame very shortly, Derek Jeter. Yeah, um, gee, what stands out about Jeter other than all the uh, you know cheesy things that everybody says about him every day? I mean, you know, great leader and all that stuff. But um, I think the thing that stands out the most to me is, and, and people never really saw this because they, you know, he was so guarded in the clubhouse, like you said. But um, you know. Really funny guy. I love to love to like prank and joke around. Ichiro um, called him a 
called him Sanderson just to, you know, kind of get yeah. under his skin. And um, they always had like a, you know, funny back and forth. And um, he liked to do like little friendly wagers. And he was so competitive that if he lost, he'd pay guys in pennies. <laughs> um, and, you know, so it was, uh, he was, I, I know that, you know, for better or for worse, he kind of, you know, was always, you know, very guarded and um, how he approached things. And, you know, everybody's like, oh, you know, you'll never see a bad thing about Jeter because, you know, he never, you know, lets any of that stuff out or, you know, he's just a great guy. And um, and so people never really got to see, you know, the fun side of him either. But um, he was uh, he was definitely a good teammate and fun guy to be around. I remember one of the things you told me um, right around, the, I think it was during his last season when I came to you and you were in uh, with the Twins. I think it was your first year at the Twins. You said something that stuck out was, after losing game one of the World Series, you know, Cliff Lee is out there and just dealing. And you guys got dominated in game one of the World Series and kind of hanging your heads. And Jeter's the one who said, so what? You know, and kind of let everybody know it wasn't over after one game. Yeah, and it wasn't like one of those big, it wasn't like a big team meeting either where he, you know, gathered everybody around. And, um, you know, and that was the message because then it, it it doesn't seem as genuine, right? Like, yeah, you know, if you're calling a team meeting, then you, it, it kind of shows this, this panic, right? Um, but it was it was kind of just said in passing, like he, um, you know, addressed the media after the game, and um, and then when you know shower got changed, and you know, past guys in the food room be like, who cares? Let's get it tomorrow, and, and that sticks a lot from a guy that had been in that situation, I'm sure, mm-hmm. you know, numerous times, so. I think that kind of put everybody at ease because, like you said, you know, Cliff Lee comes out, dealing. Um, we get dominated in game one at home. Um, and I think for a lot of teams, you know, some panic might have or could have set in. And um, he was just like, who cares? <laughs> and, you know, he just laughed. And everybody was like, okay, I guess I shouldn't <laughs> care either. No big deal. Um, so, yeah, I always I, that always stuck with me. And, um, and then, obviously, you know, we go on and, and did what we did in that series. But, um, that was uh, that was that always kind of stood out to me about how just cool and um, you know nonchalant he was about um, about that game one scenario. A memory about Mariano Rivera, who was already in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, so Mariano, I, I love spending time with him um, in the bullpen that year in '09, just because he was always so relaxed. You know, it kind of, um, I think that energy kind of you know fed to everybody else that was in the pen at the time because, you know, some guys are just nervous wrecks down there and, you know, tapping their feet and, you know, thinking that the call, any call is going to be for them. And, um, and he would kind of come down and, you know, joke around and sit there. And then if, you know, we had a lead um, around the seventh inning or so, he would, you know, start to stretch and stuff. But he was always just, you know, so calm, so relaxed and, you know, would uh, give little tips and insight to guys. And it was, it was really, uh, you know, I thought a valuable experience to be down there that year. And how about a guy who might end up there down the road, uh, CC Sabathia? CC was my favorite teammate of all time, probably. I mean, just the type of guy that you want to be around. Um, such a positive energy, such a good person. Um, you know, I, I still keep in touch with CC on a pretty regular basis. And, um, I mean, what an outstanding career. I remember at probably like two thirds into his career, everybody thought that he wasn't wasn't going to be a Hall of Famer just because of, you know, kind of the way that, his, um, that he was tapering off at the end and uh, wasn't going to get enough wins and, you know, wasn't going to get enough strikeouts and all this stuff. And then kind of reinvented himself and had a few really nice years, even though, he, you know, was dealing with some injury stuff. And, um, you know, now is, is 
probably going to be a Hall of Famer. So I think that's uh, I think that's awesome and, and well deserved. I hate when when guys have um, you know such a great career, but then you know don't get in because they didn't do it long enough. You know that I think uh, that needs to change. But um, you know we'll see. It's a it's a hard line to walk because you're you're trying to be compared to the guys that are already in there, and most of those guys did it. Longevity matters. But there is certainly something to be said for the guys who were so good and so great, in fact, but weren't able to maybe stick around the extra three, four, five years that would give you some of the numbers that would compare to the other guys. It's a it's it's really sure. fine line. And I yeah I, I I agree with you that the longevity matters, but I, I don't I don't like when you just have to hit certain thresholds true. to be considered. True. Yep. Um, and that's you know that's kind of where I find problem with it, and that, that's the whole thing with CC is like oh well he's you know he's ta- his career's kind of you know taking a dip and he's not going to get to three hundred wins, mm-hmm. and it's like well you know does does that necessarily mean he's not a Hall of Famer just because he didn't get to this this win total that you know now everybody's telling you doesn't even matter anymore right <laughs> so, right or um, or if he'd yeah, had to so. have pitched six more years to just hang on to get that number would that have changed that right and is, yeah. does that make him you know more of a, a a better player just because he, you know, um, pitched till he was 50. I don't, I don't agree with that. So I think it's changing a little bit. The fact that Moose got in, um, and, and all the sabermetric stuff that happens now, I think is steering people away from, um, kind of these, these old school numbers. So I think that's a good thing. All right. A couple of more quick ones for you. Please, please yeah. tell me there is a group text between you, Jabba and Ian Kennedy. <laughs> You want me to tell you? <laughs> uh, no, we don't. We don't have a group text, but I still keep in touch with those guys. Ian's uh, Ian's a busy dude. He's got like eleven kids or something now. So, um, yeah. but uh, yeah, that's funny. The, the big three. I, I, you know, a, a rule of thumb for New Yorkers, and, and this goes for you writers too, because you're you're behind this whole thing. Is um, don't don't like put three big prospect pitchers yeah. and pump them together. It's, yes. Um, that hasn't, uh, doesn't have the best history. No. Um, of working out in, in New York city. So, um, yeah, don't do that anymore. <laughs> three. Maybe, like, it's either two or four. Never going three. <laughs> three is not a good number. I get it. I'm going to write that down right now. Hey, do you ever tweet things to Tampa Bay lightning players? Like fans tweeted at you? Uh, no, no, never. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, it's funny because I, you know, I there was a couple times when I had to, you know, get off Twitter if I was going through a bad run, mm-hmm. um, that people were were being so cruel. But now that I'm not playing, you know, everybody's great on Twitter. I get the you know, occasional, <laughs> yeah. occasional, uh, you know, angry tweet. But for the most part, everybody everybody has fond memories, especially New Yorkers, which I'm surprised about because, you know, my last year in New York. Uh, um, was a disaster, for lack of a better word. And yeah. um, you know, I always thought that that's what would stick is you know everybody's most recent memory of um, you know the last time I was in New York. But you know, a lot of people reference '09 and um, some of the more positive things. So I think uh, you know, with time, everybody's had a chance to cool off about the uh, you know the 2013 season and hmm. you know remembers the the better stuff. All right, so I've written down your advice to the media. What advice do you have to young players coming up in New York? Coming up in New York? Well, you know, what's funny is it used to be a thing where you couldn't even, um, you know, guys, you were very picky about even, like, free agents, you know, established guys because of, of, 
you know, how tough it could be. But um, I think with the, the recent history of, you know, Judge and, and Glaber and, and those guys, I mean, they came right up and, you know, are just killing it. So I don't necessarily think that that has as big of an impact as people thought. And, you know, that might have been, you know, other factors kind of um, kind of in there. And that's why I think, you know, guys like Garrett Cole are going to be fine, um, you know, because he's, uh, he's pitched in big moments, you know. And, and, you know, I think maybe back in the day, coming to New York was, you know, a way bigger deal than I think it is now. And um, guys are, you know, more equipped to deal with it. And, and you see that both with the young guys coming up that have no issues and um, maybe some of the free agent pickups, DJ LeMay, who just comes over and has the year he had. So, um, you know, I think those guys are going to be fine. My thanks again to Phil Hughes, who, as you heard, shares a bit of disappointment over where his career is when he's still a young man at 33 and hasn't felt fully healthy in over five years. But any player picked out of high school that pitches 12 years in the majors and has an all-star game and a World Series ring on his resume is an unqualified success for every major league scouting director, general manager, and front office executive. You should follow Phil on Twitter at PJHughes45 and find him on YouTube. Look for Phil's Pulls. If you've missed any of those great conversations I spoke about at the top of this show, please check out the 30 with Murdy archive on radio.com, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe, review, and all that jazz. And until next time, I'm Sweeney Murdy. Thanks for listening. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.